Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Live Your Personal Best. Today, we have another nutrition episode for you. I'm really excited this one because we're joined by Katie Spada, who's behind the Instagram Fueling Former Athletes. She's a registered dietitian, but she specializes specifically with athletes that used to be competing and now have a different training schedule. And so this episode, we talk all about how to adjust your eating and nutrition when going through these periods of change, because our training routine is not always going to look the same. There's periods where we're working out more or less. And what she usually finds is that when that happens and people are making changes, they'll go to extremes. They'll be really worried. So then they'll cut out eating more than they should or just develop really bad habits. And so I love our whole conversation on this. We talk about how to use intuitive eating with this. So if you are transitioning or just even if you're not an athlete, I think that this is a great conversation for you to listen to. And she is actually one of the researchers that I use her trainings for in my book, Elite to Everyday Athlete. So chapter five, I believe, is all with Katie Spada. And so if you're love this conversation and interested in learning more, go check out the book, which comes out August 30th, Elite to Everyday Athlete. It'll be available on Amazon, on my website. So make sure to go check it out, write a note to go back and buy it then. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. What's up and welcome to the Live Your Personal Best podcast. This is the place where I help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life. I'm your host, Emily Kaufman, a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Today, we are joined by Katie. Katie's a former synchronized swimmer turned registered dietitian and entrepreneur. She competed on the U.S. national team for three years and was a student athlete at the Ohio State University. She now helps former and current athletes learn how to nourish their bodies well without dieting and improve body image so they can feel good in their skin. Thanks for joining us, Katie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, I'd love to get to know more about your background and especially, you know, when you were an athlete, like what did your nutrition and eating look like while you're an athlete? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So I was a synchronized swimmer, as you mentioned, and it's now called artistic swimming. Um, if you're looking for it in the Olympics and in that sport, similar to other aesthetic sports, there is this focus on a certain body type. Um, and I did not have that body type, um, just my genetically, I didn't have it. And so, um, from a very young age, I was told that I needed to lose weight. And so that really impacted my nutrition as I continued through sport, um, where I was very restrictive with my eating. I was cutting out food groups. I was choosing to not fuel before, um, practices or after practices, which really got me interested in the field of nutrition because I was like, there's got to be a better way to this. And so I always say my nutrition habits definitely held me back from reaching my full potential. And I always question how good could I have been if I actually fueled my body well, but that path really led me here to where I am today. So it was definitely worth it. But um, 
yeah, it was a tumultuous experience with food during my time as an athlete. Yeah. Did you notice at the time that your eating habits were kind of holding you back or you thought that was like the way to do it? I thought I was doing everything possible to be the best I could. That's actually something that some of my teammates and I talk about where we just kind of normalize these behaviors. It was like the, whatever it takes, like just do what you need to do. Um, and this is what we thought we needed to do. So we had no idea how damaging it, what we were doing actually was. We thought we were doing what was best. Yeah. So then obviously, you know, when you were in college, you're studying to become a registered dietitian. So did you kind of start to learn as you were becoming a registered dietitian or did you learn first? And then you're like, oh, I want to like go into studying this. I started to learn as I was becoming a registered dietitian. So I had several things in my life kind of drive me towards nutrition, sport, obviously being one of them. And really the reason I got into nutrition or wanted to get into nutrition to start was because I was like, oh, well, if I become a registered dietitian, then I'll always know how to eat. So I'll always be skinny. That was literally my thought process. I'm like, Oh, this is the perfect way to kind of trap myself in. Like I'll never have to worry about it again. And then I started learning more and I was like, Whoa, okay, hold on. What I'm doing is not working and it's not right. And then after I became a registered dietitian is actually when I learned about intuitive eating and that just changed the entire way I practiced, the way I ate in my own life, the way I approached food. Um, and that's really now what I found all of my work with my with my current clients um, on it's intuitive eating based. That's awesome. You're like, okay, there's this whole world out there. Cause I don't know about you, but when I was an athlete, I thought that I knew a lot about nutrition. Uh, Cause I was like, oh, I hear all this from my teammates and coaches. So I thought I knew a ton. And then it ended up all just kind of being myths or rules that didn't need to be followed. Yes. Yes, exactly. I feel like I had this false sense of like, oh, I'm an athlete. So I know what to do with nutrition. And um, same thing. It was coaches or teammates saying like, oh, do this, do this, do this all by, you know, they all had great intentions with sharing their nutrition beliefs. Um, but unfortunately they weren't always correct. And so that led to a lot of misinformation. And I find that with my current work is I'm doing a lot of nutrition myth busting because in the sports world, there are a lot of nutrition myths that are just kind of taken as taken as fact. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, where the person is starting today. If someone's listening to this and like, I want to eat healthier. It's not like the first step is learning even more. It's learning about what do you know that might be false or wrong? Yes. It's almost like an unlearning because I think one of the biggest issues that we have with the nutrition and the fitness industry is that, well, there's one right way. And that's just not the case. Everybody is different and everybody's going to need certain things that, you know, you and I are going to have different needs. And so I think that the biggest thing is we have to unlearn what we've learned so we can relearn what our own body needs. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like circling back to where you were. So you had cut out whole food groups, didn't have a good relationship with food when you were competing. And then what happened after you retired from sports? What did it look like then? Oh, so I thought retiring was going to be the greatest thing. Cause I was like, there will be no more stress on how I look. I'm going to be able to just eat what I want. And that did not happen. I spiraled even further. My food rules became stricter because I watched my body start to change in a way that was really uncomfortable. And so even though I had studied all of this in undergrad and I was in my dietetic internship preparing to take my exam to become a registered dietitian, I was probably the worst. I was in the worst place I had ever been in with food in my body. And I always say knowledge doesn't always breed action. And so it took me a couple of years when I retired before I figured out, oh, 
this is what works best for my body. This is the approach to nutrition that I like. Um, but it was, a, it was a very dark time. I, I always say, I remember sitting on the floor of my bedroom in my internship, just bawling my eyes out because I could not find a piece of clothing that I was comfortable in. I felt like I was starving throughout the day and just trying to find anything to eat at night. Cause I was so hungry. It was, it was a hot mess. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's almost like when you were learning it, you're still in the mindset of being the athlete and still yes. working out so much as an athlete does. And then it's a full lifestyle change after that. It is, it is. And I think I took that to the extreme, which is something I think athletes take a lot of things to the extreme, <laughs> but it's something that I see in my clients as well is we almost go like, okay, well, depending on which sport you come from, it's like, yes, I can eat as an athlete, feel myself well. And then we retire and we stop working out and they take it to the extreme to where they're not eating enough. And that usually sparks the restrict binge cycle because we overestimate how much we need to pull back on, on eating because we're not working out as much. It's really not as big of a shift as a lot of athletes think. That's so interesting. Cause yeah, if you were to ask me what I thought the issue was, it'd probably be the opposite. Like we just continue eating as athletes, but you're saying actually, no, we're trying to like overcompensate. We are making too dramatic of a change when our body, it it still has muscle. It's still burning calories. Like we need to eat. Yes, yes, exactly. And I think one of the mentalities that is a challenge to overcome is that we need food for things other than working out because as athletes, it's like, oh, food is fuel for your workout. And so then we're like, well, if I'm not working out, say you're working a full-time job or you become a nurse in 12 hour shifts and you're not working out, it's like, well, then I don't need to eat. We're missing the fact that our body needs food for thinking, breathing, moving, you know, circulating blood, digestion, all of these things require food. And so we tend to go to the extreme. Now, there are some athletes who continue to eat as if they were an athlete, and that is a whole other thing to tackle. But most common, what I see with the population I work with is they go the opposite end and pull back too much. And that usually triggers binging episodes at night because they're not eating enough throughout the day. Yeah. So I guess that kind of talks about like the amount of food that people are eating, but for the former athletes that you also work with, do you see their eating habits get better or worse when sports kind of disappear or is there no sort of general trend there? You know what I have seen. So kind of going back to that, I've seen both extremes. Um, I always say that this is a broad generalization, but I say there's usually two types of former athletes. There's the athlete that came from like the aesthetic sport or a sport, sport, very focused on appearance, like track and field, cross country, gymnastics, dance, swimming, you know, something like that. And they tend to take it the extreme, which I would label as like orthorexia, eating very clean, only having fruits and some fruits, some vegetables, you know, cutting out carbs. So they go the extreme. Then there are the athletes that were like, endurance athletes, like football players, soccer players, you know, things like that. And of course there's crossover here, but they kind of go the other way. And they're just like, oh, well now I don't have to worry so much so I can eat whatever I want. And they start making food choices that don't necessarily make them feel great. They're not balancing it out or optimizing, as I like to say, with nutrient dense foods as well. So each former athlete has their own story. It's very interesting to kind of hear where they came from. So yeah, I've seen both. Yeah, no, I guess I can kind of relate to that too. I think I was more on the end of, okay, like I can eat whatever I want now. Like it's not going to affect my performance. And then I didn't even realize like how much it was kind of slowing me down day to day until it was a year after I had retired. And I was like, 
I can't even recognize the person I was who was getting up at 5 a.m. and like had enough energy for the day. Like that person was long gone. And I kind of realized like maybe my relationship with food is how I could start getting that person back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's, I think so many former athletes can relate to that. Whichever direction, you know, we go, there's this whole, I mean, it is very much a transition period and your relationship with food, whether you felt like you had a healthy one or not when you were competing it changes. And so giving yourself the space to kind of relearn, well, what does my body like? What does it feel best when I'm not pounding it into the ground, being an athlete? What kind of foods make me feel good? I think we underestimate the impact of recognizing how food makes us feel and how that can help us make our food choices outside of like, oh, well, this is healthy. This is not, you know, I'm not a huge fan of that black and white thinking. It's all about like, well, what, what did make you feel good? So you can start to recognize or re or or transform who you are after sport. So if we kind of know that these are the two main paths that athletes could go down, if you're working with someone, how do you start helping them like step-by-step of, okay, this is how we're going to start with a healthy relationship with food. Oh, yes. So in my program, the first pillar is personalized. So one of the things I do is I take a look at with the athlete, you know, what does your lifestyle look like? Because your nutrition should fit your lifestyle. Your lifestyle shouldn't have to fit your nutrition. And then we start by making small changes. If it's from a restrictive standpoint, we start to add those foods back in, but we have to work on the mindset around it first. So why do you think of this food as a bad food? Does the science support that? How can we include this food in a way that feels good and nourishing to your body um, without being fearful of it? If it's the other end, I'm going to ask the athlete, you know, how can we include more nutrient dense foods like fruits and vegetables, whole grains, healthy fats, things like that, to start to help you feel better. Notice the difference of how including these foods make you feel good. And so it's a very personalized approach in my group coaching where it's, it's less personalized, but more community. I actually have them write out, what do you want your life to look like? Because believe it or not, like the, how we view our life, what we want our life to look like can really impact our food choices. And so getting clear on that is the first step before we can even move forward with talking about what foods to purchase, how to build meals, anything like that. Yeah, no, I like how you said that of like fitting your new lifestyle. Um, because you know, athletes will still work out, right? Like they'll still be going to the gym, but it just will be less or it'll be different. Yes. So yeah, I I love that part too. Thanks. Yes, I agree. It's very different. And I think that's one of the things that I've had athletes try and recreate their life. Um, you know, when they were competing, like getting up, like you mentioned at 5am working out before work, then working a full work day, doing a second workout. And it's just not conducive to this new stage of life. So we need to figure out what is conducive because we deserve to enjoy life. And I find so many athletes or former athletes really struggling to enjoy life once they retire. I love that. And then the next thing that I kind of wanted to jump into. So if you are listening to this because you've read my book, Elite to Everyday Athlete, then you'll know that there's a chapter where Katie helps speak about learning about hunger cues and listening to your hunger cues. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, go check it out, Elite to Everyday Athlete. But I was wondering if you could tell us like, what does this honor your hunger intuitive eating principle mean? Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay. So two of the principles in intuitive eating. And if if you're not familiar with intuitive eating, um, you know, I encourage you to, to Google it, take a look at the principles. It is a framework to approach nutrition, not using external factors, but really relying on your own intuition when it comes to food. And so honoring your hunger and feeling your fullness are two of the principles. Honoring your hunger is 
multifactorial, a lot of people think it's just like, oh, I'm hungry, eat. And while yes, that's the foundation, it's a little bit more nuanced. So it's taking a look at your schedule, recognizing, do I have periods of time where I'm going more than four hours without eating? Then we implement practical hunger, which is making sure your body's getting fuel throughout the day. Then it's really tuning back into what are your personal physical hunger cues. Um, I always use myself as an example. If I reach the point where my stomach is growling, I am too far gone. It is hangry Katie coming out. Like I need food so fast. Um, but one of my early hunger cues is noticing that I can't concentrate. I have a hard time concentrating. And so it's giving yourself some space to figure out, is this a hunger cue? Is my body in need of food for energy? Is it in need of something else? So that way you can keep yourself fueled throughout the day. The same thing with fullness, because athletes often don't know what is a good portion for them. They either eat way too much because they're used to overfueling for sport, or they eat way too little because they're fearful of it. And so they don't recognize that fullness feeling. Um, and so there is a hunger fullness scale that I use with my clients that can help you gauge where you're at. And same thing with fullness. There are subtle cues, like food doesn't taste quite as good. If you notice that first bite is that overwhelming euphoria of like, wow, this is so delicious. It starts to diminish as we continue eating. So maybe food's not tasting quite as vibrant. Maybe you're able to focus better. You're not thinking about food as much. So it's becoming really clear on these subtle cues. Um, there was actually a study that looked at this and a, a former swimmer actually shared her experience. It was a qualitative study about how she was just completely bowling through all of her cues when she was an athlete. So it took this transition period. Recalibration is what she called it, a recalibration to figure out what does it feel like to be hungry? What does it feel like to be full? It's a lot of trial and error. I think that's what scares people, but it's so worth it to become so clear and confident in your hunger and your fullness. So you never have to guess again. Yeah. I love calling it that recalibration because before you were on someone else's schedule, you're on the team schedule, the coach's schedule, and now they have the freedom yourself. It's like, okay, like let's recalibrate. Let's see what my body's actually telling me. Yes, exactly. And it can feel really challenging to be like, is this a hunger cue? I'm going to eat anyways. Um, and one of the things I love about intuitive eating is there's which is hard for athletes, is there's no like right or wrong, if you will. Every opportunity is, or every experience is an opportunity to gain data. And then the more data you gather, the easier it is to make decisions. Because I hear former athletes come to me all the time, just tell me what to eat and I'll do it. And I'm like, you don't want me to do that because I don't live in your body. You live in your body. Um, and so really getting clear and finding the tools to know what's best for you is the best way to approach it. Yeah, no, and especially, you know, dealing with someone who used to be an athlete, I think a lot of athletes, they're always hungry. <laughs> they're always like, okay, <laughs> I'm snacking and I'm eating and I'm carbo-loading and all of that. Um, so this is kind of like a new thing that maybe they have never paid attention to before. And I think that this though really helps with those problems that we we're talking about earlier of fearful of under eating and overeating of just paying attention to hunger fullness. Yes, exactly. I think when we were competing, maybe we didn't even focus on like, am I hungry right now? It was just like meal, snack, meal, snack, workout, snack. And so, um, we never really needed to pay attention or you were on the, the opposite end and you were like intentionally trying to avoid eating, um, depending on what realm you lived in. And 
trying to figure that out can be so confusing, which is why I, you know, try and provide some tools to walk you through it. So it's not just like a, like you're stepping off a cliff, (laughs) free falling to try and figure it out. Yes. And so these are two of the intuitive eating principles. Is there any other ones that you feel like are really important to an athlete, like going through this transition? Real quick, I want to talk to you guys about this week's sponsor, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is a daily all-in-one health drink with over 75 proven vitamins and minerals from food source ingredients. It's the perfect drink to start off your morning. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know that I've been using them for quite a while now. I think it tastes great. It makes me feel great. All around, I highly recommend. So if you're interested at all, if you check them out now with your subscription, you'll get free travel packs and a full year supply of vitamin D. Just go to athleticgreens.com slash liveyourpb, athleticgreens.com slash liveyourpb, or just click the link below. Go check them out and back to the episode. Uh, Well, I think the first one is to um, get rid of the food police. Now that sounds kind of funny, but that is the judgment that we have in our head where, or challenge the food police, excuse me, that's the official name of it, um, where we're judging our food choices because as athletes, we are so critical about ourselves and we're constantly judging ourselves in a negative way. And that food police is the one that's saying, should you have that cookie? Maybe you shouldn't. Are you really, do you really need that second portion? Like, oh, you're being so bad today. Challenge that and ask yourself, why am I thinking these thoughts? What is the fear behind those thoughts? Um, So that way you can approach food from a neutral place of what's going to fuel me best today. And then the 10th principle, okay, two other ones. The other one is joyful movement, which I think is really hard for athletes because we're so used to working out with a purpose that when we transition out of sport and now we're just kind of working out for general health, it's like, what do I do? Why am I doing this? And a lot of athletes continue to do workouts that they don't enjoy. So the principle of joyful movement is engaging in movement that feels good for your body and not needing to burn your calories off or earn your food. It's completely separate. Um, and so that is a principle that we focus on a lot. And then the 10th principle, the final principle is gentle nutrition. And this is really bringing back in, like, am I eating nutrient rich foods? Am I focusing on my health in in an overall way is the food that I'm having supporting my health. Um, I think social media intuitive eating gets kind of a bad rep because it's like, eat the ice cream, eat the donut, eat the pizza. And Yes, of course. I want you to be able to enjoy those foods. And I also want you to focus on your health so that way we can prevent chronic disease. We can, um, you know, reduce the risk of type two diabetes or heart disease or whatever it is, and also boost up your micronutrient intake, making sure that you're, um, managing blood pressure, if that's an issue in your, in your genetics. So there's this whole nutrition health side that kind of gets glossed over. And I think that's important for the former athlete as well. Yeah, no. And I love that you kind of build up to that, right? Like we've been talking for like 20 minutes and now we're talking about, okay, when you should add in nutrition. And it's kind of like when you can address all these other things first. Exactly. There's a reason it's the 10th and final principle of intuitive eating. And that's because we have to establish this foundation of a healthy relationship with food, getting rid of food labels. They're not good or bad, challenging the food police before you can objectively make food decisions that are going to honor your health without that judgment piece being there. So we have to lay the foundation before we can even get to principle 10. Yes. Well, I've loved this. You shared so much with us. Is there any one last piece of advice you'd love to leave everyone with? 
I think the only thing I would want to say is, you know, if you're struggling, you're not alone. So many former athletes struggle. There was a study that found upwards of 65% of retired athletes struggle with nutrition. And so don't hesitate to reach out for help. There's a whole community that would love to support you. And it doesn't have to stay that way. You can enjoy food again, and you should enjoy food. Oh, yeah. It's, it's such a common occurrence that just doesn't get talked about enough because, you know, people might not even know how to talk about it. Yes. So I love that you're talking about it. I love that you're able to come on today. Uh, where can everyone find out more about you? All of that. Yeah. So um, you can find me on Instagram at fueling.former.athletes. I just started on TikTok with the same handle. Um, and then you can also find me on my website, spotastrongnutrition.com. I've got resources, ebooks, you know, all the information about my programs on there. Um, feel free to send me a DM or send me an email and I'd love to connect. Awesome. I'll include that all below. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, do me a favor and take a screenshot right now and post it on your Instagram story. You can tag me at live your personal best at live your personal best. Come say hi, come say what's up. I would love to connect with you and this would help support me to continue bringing you free content. Thanks and see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.